Yeah, so Melissa, Amazon is pausing construction on its second headquarters in Virginia, known as HQ2. John Schultler, that's Amazon's head of real estate, tells us in a statement, I'm quoting him here, we're always evaluating space plans to make sure they fit our business needs and create a great experience for employees. Since Met Park will have space to accommodate more than 14,000, we've decided to shift the groundbreaking of Penn Place. That is the second phase of HK2. Out a little bit, HQ2, excuse me, out a bit. Our second headquarters, he says, has always been a multi-year project, and we remain committed to Arlington, Virginia, and the greater capital region. Mr. Murdoch, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch. I sentence you for a term of the rest of your natural life for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life. Those sentences will run consecutive. Still don't know officially what the president's plans are for re-election. Looks like he's going to run again. His wife seems to be saying that they might not be on the same day because the president hasn't been as unequivocal. But if he were to run again, would you support him? Well, let's just see who's all in the game. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to support or not support somebody. I want to see and find the best path, the best pathway for America. We've got to get out of the toxic relationships that we have in our political process. It's been three weeks now since the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, as you know. The mayor says he saw you in Ukraine, and he says it tells you he doesn't care about us. And they're asking, is the president coming to Ohio? Do you have any plan to travel to Ohio, and have you talked with the mayor yet? Let's put this in perspective. Within two hours of that derailment, the EPA was in there. Did you plan to travel there, and have you talked with the mayor? I, I, I can't recall that. I don't think I've talked to the mayor. I've talked to everyone else in there and multiple times. I've talked to both the senators, both, both governors. I've talked to everyone there is to talk to. And we've made it clear that everything is available. We face a crisis of the choices that we make. Not all of us individually, but yes, in many ways, still individually by what we buy, how we live, the choices we make on a daily basis. And the crisis that we face today on the global biome is a crisis that comes from unabated emissions. And uh, uh, I'm actually very happy that we have bipartisan support, but uh, we keep hearing those messages from time to time, and they're dangerous. Uh, there are political leaders that are elected by people, and if this issue is raised, uh, those political leaders need to be responsible and cautious because people are looking at them. Who wants a third world war? Would anyone uh, risk? Would anyone be willing to accept the risk? The U.S. is never going to give up on the NATO member states. If it happens so that Ukraine, due to various opinions and weakening and depleting of assistance, uh, uh, Russia is going to enter 
Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war. And they will have to fight because it's uh, NATO that we're talking about, and they will be dying. Now listen to me carefully on this. The truth is, I do not hate anyone. I do not hate anyone. I look for grace wherever I can find it. So I say this gently. The Biden administration sucks. You measure it any way you want. COVID, the economy, inflation, the national debt, the border, crime, cancel culture treating parents like domestic terrorists, Afghanistan, our energy independence, now lost. My God. President Biden has been spectacularly awful. If you put President Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he would run out of sand if the aliens landed in Washington, D.C. tomorrow and said, take me to your leader, it would be embarrassing. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 122. Sorry, we're a little bit late this week, gang. We had a few things going on. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna, the leader of the John Kennedy fan club. Okay, we got we got to get him on the show. We just have to get him on the show. I'll, I'll start talking to these people. It, it, we got to get crazy. it going here because he's just killing it. He's killing it. So. We could we could literally just have a podcast about dueling um, sound bites from him and John Kerry. Like they're equal parts hilarious and ridiculous. Well, speaking of special K, it's your fault. Did you catch that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it did. Not his it's, fault, it's your fault. Johnny, 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 two commercial, two private jets. Actually, I think he sold the jets now. He's only got like nine houses and 47 well, cars. Fortunately for our listeners, I do have some breaking news about special Senator Kerry. Let's have it. Hot off the presses from the Hill just this morning. Carry to serve in climate envoy role at least yeah, till the end of the through year. COP28 in November. So we yeah. got another 10 months minimum of our good, good friend, God special my. envoy, John Kerry. You know, I'm very, very, very grateful because eventually the guys who want to do something on climate change or whatever they have in mind, I don't know, however they characterize it, eventually those guys are going to find somebody competent and then, you know, then things are going to get interesting. But as long as I got John Kerry, I think we're probably okay from anything really too bad. We all have to do our part. <laughs> we're facing a crisis because of how we live and the choices Individual we choices. Make. I'm like, dude, Our maybe. choices. The choices we do make you, on a daily basis. Do you ever visit your garage, man? Do you ever just go, how many cars you got? Oh, <laughs> they just think we're so dumb, don't they? I... Do they? They just think we're dumb, don't they? I'm. I'm also very grateful that 
uh, Envoy Carey wasn't around trying to spread Christianity in the first century after our Lord, because it he'd be like, yeah, you know, like like love everybody, but he'd be busy hacking away through like crowds of peasants and whatnot. I mean, he's just so so bad at this. Just it, it, this is you know what this is. This is a cautionary tale about one party states, man. Your Massachusetts sends us these guys, and they're all terrible. They couldn't yep. get elected anywhere else. Yeah. Well, uh, Amazon is pausing HQ2 here in our nation's capital, Mr. McKenna. I guess um, not enough job. What? What's the What's the rub there? A lot of a lot of layoffs in tech these days. Yeah, I was going to say. So. I'm, sure, I'm sure Amazon's trying to figure out what's going What's going to happen here in the next five years? The terrible thing is, there's already been a huge run up in real estate within five miles of the thing. Yeah. Like, like guys, the damage has already been done. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Who, who, who would have thought that the world was coming to this? You'd actually get like legitimate companies, not like, you know, contractors or some who wanted to be in Pentagon city of all places. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's growth of government. Yeah. Remember when AOL. (laughs) Yes. Producer doesn't know who AOL is, but (laughs) our listeners do. So, Anyway, I mean, what, you know, people just started moving down that tech corridor and, and you know, the, the, the route to Dulles. Um, yeah. It's just there are more and more business is being done. We'll get into this uh, industrial policy stuff in the uh, later in the show. But that is, I think, what was driving. It's always been, you know, government, you know, contractors and defense contractors and stuff like that have usually been the Lockheeds of the world and stuff. But. Well, it's no Everyone's accident. Everyone's moving here now because that's their customer. I mean, we're, we're, what did Bezos buy, right? He bought the Washington Post, right? You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't buy the, you know, Chicago Sun Times. He bought the Washington Post. Guy's not from DC, right? He's not no, from around no, any, here. Yeah, absolutely. He's a California kid, I think. Um, so, so, anyways, you know, I'm not sure. I'm sad about it, but just thought uh, it's, a, it's a sign of a couple of things: the way the world is changing, the work world is changing, and. Yeah, I know. I'm not. You might have seen that the, the the there was an article. Uh, I think CNBC was talking about people are like questioning the 40 hour work week. I don't remember the last time I worked only 40 40 Seriously, hours man. in a week. I'm questioning the 40 hour work week because we sit here and do this thing at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, so a little less traffic slight for, for, a, for a short while here until they, they, they probably won't end up building that building, I'm guessing. I tend to doubt it. I've always doubted it because it makes no sense. It right. makes no blessed sense. Okay, so this one you and I were talking about a little bit last week because I have been oblivious to this up until now. Apparently, there's some, my wife was like, oh my gosh, you haven't seen or heard about the documentary and yada, yada, yada. South Carolina attorney Richard Alex Murdoch was sentenced yeah. today yeah, the to two thing. consecutive life sentences for for murdering his wife Maggie and her son Paul yeah. near the dog kennels. Yeah, yeah. the The New York Times wrote something on this. When, when did this? When did these homicides happen? Eighteen months ago. Um, Twenty four months ago. Geez, I'll look in here. Yeah, yeah. talk New while York- I look. Yeah, the New York Times wrote some about it right after the right after the um, right after the son got killed. Um, I think it was even before they found the mom's body. Anyway, um, I read the whole thing. I thought it was fascinating because you know the son, how this whole thing, 
I don't say started, right? The whole thing started probably 50 years ago, but it started with the son involved in a manslaughter on a boat and he got off charges were dropped right so the times ran the whole thing and i thought that's really fascinating there's like a big story back here because the family had run this part of south carolina for a hundred years both in and out of government again cautionary tale about a one-party state ladies and gentlemen um it yeah is a very prominent old line family right it it doesn't matter democrats republicans i mean in 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 this case i'm sure they were democrats for the first 50 years and republicans right right but in in a situation like that the party identity doesn't matter it's it's sort of royalty or bloodlines in in the state right right. that's historic family type stuff it it yeah anyway so i've been watching it for a while i'm fascinated by it i i i managed to not see his testimony i'm sorry about that but i hear i caught which is I caught a little bit of it. I was on the background and I just, I got sucked in like most, yeah. most trials as you, re, as you recall. With well, I was going to say you have, that addi- you have that addiction so. anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyways, um, two consecutive life sentences. Apparently he had a pretty nasty opioid addiction uh, as well. So I, I, it's, there are things in the world you can imagine. I can't yeah. ever imagine. I I told killing, my killing a family I, member. I told my wife last night. I just I said I just can't believe he did it. Yeah, because I can't believe anyone would do it. Yes, even though even that's though that's how I like. That's just how I can. I can't see it because I I just can't believe even, it. Even though people tell, even though facts tell you it happens all the time, it's right. just it seems so difficult to believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anyway, you know, punching your kid in the mouth. Yeah, I've thought about that a bunch of times, but you know, I mean, put a shotgun <laughs> to the guy. That's a different kettle fish. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. heard me. And my niece, my as far as my nephews go, yeah, they're all of you guys listening out there. You're lucky I don't slug you every time I see you. Wow. Right. Kisser. Right, exactly. All right. So the the on again, off again, will he run again thing is back is back on the uh, uh on the scene. Biden was asked at a gaggle uh, or he was chatting with, with Schumer and you'll know when are you going to announce? You'll, you'll know when I announce, when I announce. And then uh, Manchin, of course, got asked again and he's back off the Biden train, I guess. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the Biden administration has been making him look like a fool on this inflation reduction yeah, act yeah. Um, guidance stuff. So yeah, he's been good played for, pretty hard. So. <laughs> you know, it, it, um, it kind of makes me think, you know, I, I, when I was a younger person, I had kind of a standing theory about life, and it was this. Nobody should be allowed to run anything unless they've lived in New York City for some length of time. I'm, I'm thinking I'm right because, you know, you, you at least learn, like, somebody's trying to get something over on me. I mean, apparently, as best I could tell, Senator Manchin just wanders around hoping for the best. It strikes me as a bad strategy. <laughs> Yeah, he should have read. He should have read his own. He should have read his own bill. I think. Think about think about what you just yeah. said. He should have read his own bill. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, man, we we nailed it on this Ohio thing. On the derailment, did you yeah, catch well, that line from the mayor? Like, well, I yeah. saw him in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You, I mean, we said the exact same thing last week, right? You know, politics is, 
you, you got time for a, a bigger divergence on this one? I, I, we got all yeah. time in the world. It's our podcast. Yeah, man. politics is politics is a call and response operation, right? And what strikes me is that the Biden team has been on the defensive since the Republicans won the House. Yeah, we talked about that. And they have never really recovered. And this thing in Ohio was particularly embarrassing because nobody could nobody could take the time to get out there until after Trump had shown up, handed out some bottles of water, bought some Big Macs for everybody, made a speech. And the next day, Mayor Pete shows up. I'm just like, they, dude, you're 13 days into this yeah. thing. And only after Trump shows up, you it, you might as well just stay at home. You look like a moron. Yep. It, I was, and then of course, like you say, the mayor, hey man, I saw him in Ukraine. I'm like, great. Why'd you send us some shackles? It's like what you said about the border deal, right? It's like, just visit the damn border. This is not and hard. Even when he did it, he did it. He didn't do it right. He, I was going to say, this is not. I, just visit the border. Just go, just go do a photo op in this town. That's all people are looking for is to. It, 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 just hopeless. I, we're we're going to get into one more instance. When you, when you open a floor to me, I'm going to give you one more recent instance of the hopelessness. I mean, real hopelessness. These, I, good for the mayor. And of course we brought him up already, but Senator Kennedy, that was at CPAC, by the way, which is happening this week. <laughs> You know, it took me a CPAC. second to figure out it had to be at CPAC, right? Because yeah. I'm just like, where else would he do that? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but CPAC. also uh, CPAC this week, there's a bunch of articles floating around about how it's, you know, kind of losing its luster or whatnot. Um, it's, it's sort of like Trump's CPAC. And then, of course, Ron DeSantis is going to a Club for Growth event. That's a mistake. A retreat. At the breakers uh, in Palm Beach. That's yeah. a mistake. He should not coming to, to CPAC. Yeah. So, so, and Pompeo's coming to speak, uh, but not Pence. And Nikki Haley's coming to speak. And Vivek Ramaswamy is coming to speak. He's speaking. Well, the three announced yeah. candidates, right? We have three announced candidates. Yep, they're sure. all there. Yep. Uh, and, and, and Pompeo. Uh, I, right. Plus, plus Secretary um, Pompeo, right? The right. interesting thing. It, the interesting, I read all these stories about how this, you know, CPAC, blah, 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 blah. There are empty seats. I'm like, dude, have you ever been to CPAC? There's always empty seats. People are yeah. always wandering in and out of these things. Yeah, yeah, they got Radio Row. And yeah. There's, just all, there's a whole, <clears throat> down at the Gaylord in the bottom, there's just like restaurants and bars and everything yeah. just there to hang out, have meetings yeah. and stuff like that. And, so. and, and I was thinking about this, but of course I thought about it too late. I thought about it yesterday. Next year, we should do the podcast from Radio Row. Yeah, I think we will. We should. We, we'll get a lot of good interviews and stuff. We like will. That, so. We 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 should and we will. We'll just pull pull yeah. Matt and Mercedes aside separately and ask if we talk about the I other gotta one. Get, um, I got to get my crap together and. Get it is my fault. Um, what I was thinking about is when CPAC started, and I'm one of the few guys in town who's still working and can remember when CPAC started. We were in a basement of a hotel. There was like a hundred guys, and you know. It was the it was the conservative type dudes, and we all talked about what would happen if we were ever given power and blah blah blah. But you know what? Literally, there were hundred guys. It even when Reagan started showing up, there were still only a couple hundred guys. It wasn't like there were thousands and thousands of people. We we couldn't have filled even the smaller rooms of the Gaylord, for goodness sake. What I've noticed recently, though, what the there was a trend that started maybe six or eight years ago, where there was a lot of a resur- like an insurgence of young people, yes, coming to CPAC, yeah, because I, you know, and I have this theory that 
we've been so bombarded with woke and you know identity and everything else that that the way to rebel now is to be like libertarian or you know sort of a radical as a rule follower right yeah. or a, you know that kind of thing so cpac had a like a sort of a big bump in in attendance uh because a lot of young people started identifying with it and kind of meeting up and going and doing that's like a cosplay deal for for conservatives right <laughs> so they dress up in their maga stuff and everything else that, so. okay i'll take i'll take all of that as i'll take all of that as an amendment i just the idea that somehow it's fading is i'm like dude you got you got four guys running for president including a former president what what and it's former secretary of state what yeah and and i think that you're gonna laugh but this is gonna come up in a campaign that 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 governor DeSantis went yeah I know. It is in palm beach it's sort of like in it it's too like trump too like chess playing with trump as opposed to going out and just yes ignoring yeah. trump completely and grabbing hands right because you, you you don't know what could what dynamic could have taken place there like you know that's right could have flowed to him it could have been that could have been a new story in and of itself right so that's right anyways it, probably not a, a good decision to skip it all together you know and I, i'm gonna just gonna show record a message and send it in you know you can do that seriously do something i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna show my colors here i don't really care for the club for growth guys either i mean i don't you know i'm not a trumper but i'm like I sure as hell ain't a club for growth, guys. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. go go see people, go see actual voters, yeah, right? Let's, get a, let's let's do a bus tour this year, man. This this cycle, <laughs> we haven't done one in a while. <laughs> it's always it always gets us re-energized. I need a jolt. Hey, so. Okay, so so let's review CPAC and a bus tour. That's right. Okay. Um, any announcements for from you this this uh, week? Yeah, I have two. Two. Okay, I have uh, three. You first. I'll do one first. Uh, I'd like to say uh, hello to some new listeners, some new recruits. Uh, my father apparently has now discovered the Unregulated Podcast, and he's sharing the message with his fellow veterans up in Western New York. So Mike Toro, Mark Davis, Mike Kaufman, and Kurt Vainstone are all new uh, Unregulated Podcast listeners. Thank you for your service. I think my dad's just going to go through the entire VA and just kind of work through the whole, the whole building. Right. So, welcome aboard gonna... team. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, send feedback to my dad and uh, he'll, he'll convey it to us and uh, look forward to many, many more episodes. So uh, that's one. Go ahead. Uh, it's my sister's birthday today. So happy birthday to Beth. She is my, um, she's my sister. I was going to, try to peg her in the order but i decided not to she is my much beloved sister that's all i'm gonna say and it's her birthday happy birthday beth well happy birthday to beth and uh another birthday was celebrated this past week the co-host of the unregulated podcast mr michael mckenna last sunday the 26th you had a nice milestone how was your birthday man uh happy good, birthday good except except somebody Somebody put me in Politico on the birthday list. Oh, no, not, it was not me. I promise. I don't. I know watch, exactly I who it yeah. was. I know exactly who it was, but I'm not going to say his name, Chris Tucker. Um, so <laughs> that's you know that's that. You're you're, you're dead. To well, me. it's a big one. It's a big one. Happy happy big happy big I'm, milestone birthday. I won't I'm, name the I won't name the AG. I'm, I'm turning can. thirty. 
I turned 30. <laughs> I said you're like Dick Clark pre-stroke, man. You never age. It doesn't matter how old you are. You no, know, just as long as I don't get to be, you know, like you flip that on me. Hey, Dick Clark, and cut out the pre-stroke <laughs> thing. Okay. What else you got? Anything? Uh, yeah, it turns out that I have a net. We have a nest of listeners, and I'm not sure I'm supposed to feel about this. Uh, we have a nest of listeners in house leadership that I sort of knew that they were listening, but I got some confirmation on that. So, uh, Jamie, well, good. Wanna... so we can give them our advice, <laughs> Jamie, continue I wanna... to give them our advice on a consistent and regular basis. Very good. Jamie, I want to thank you for letting me know about that. Uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, one day we're going to have you on as soon as you, Hey, you let's get the big, let's get, employer. let's get the big guy on. Let's get Scalise on. Let's get McCarthy on. Let's, let's, let's turn into that other podcast shall we <laughs> shall we yeah i don't uh, i got mixed feelings about all that i'm not sure where that's going to turn out well for us <laughs> well i have one more announcement it's kind of a i just realized it today while i was doing a little bit of research we've been ha- we've had spring training since february 24th and i haven't watched one minute of it neither have i and i wasn't like i was intending not to it just i didn't it, yeah, why would you? I've been busy, I guess, but I it's just just as a rule I'm of just thumb, a little ambivalent, I think, right now. You know, it just as a rule of thumb, I really don't pay attention to spring training till around end of March, you know, March 20th kind of thing. I, I watched the last week. I'm not sure it's gonna be any different this year. Maybe we should maybe we should go down to, over to Tampa and watch a game or two. Yeah, let's try and make that happen, man. I mean, how, what, what, well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's not that hard to get to. Right. Okay. Uh, this day in history, you ready? 1845 on this day, the Congress provided the first veto override. On this day in 1845, Congress overrides a presidential veto for the very first time, reigning in President John Tyler, who essentially wanted to spend a whole bunch of money um but the congress rec- insisted that he get a legislative approval before commissioning any new military craft now that that in and of itself is not overly spectacular it occurred at the end of his presidency as a rebuke because he he vetoed so, several pieces of legislation and um Tippecanoe and Tyler too yes and Tyler too who by the way replaced Tippecanoe after months who died uh, with months of, of a month? Yeah, he died within like thirty days. What did those and, two and guys? He was with? well. Well, Tyler was basically probably rated one of the most reviled U.S. presidents in history. He it was kicked he out was, of his par- party. Doesn't <laughs> mean out. he was bad. No, okay. It wasn't. Doesn't mean what he what he was was he didn't give a shit about anybody or anything, which is like not how it works in Washington, right? So I kind of like it. It's a good, it's a good policy. I think I think I think we might adopt it. Yeah. We call ourselves the John Tyler podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what were we gonna say about Tippy Canoe? Uh, you know, we're gonna I was just gonna point out, I think both of those guys were Virginians. Um born. I I, I don't know where they ultimately were from, but um well Harrison was from Ohio, but I, I think they were both born Virginians, probably within a couple of miles of each other down in uh, down in the northern neck. You're welcome, by the way. For all the Virginians, the long line of 
historic Virginians. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love that. Did you Ohio adopt Virginia, you New Yorker? Because I yeah. thought you were from New York. What, what I what I love it is in Ohio is like, yeah, all these all these presidents. You know, like two of the Ohio presidents actually were born in Virginia. I'm like, guys, just move along, move along. <laughs> you know, what about what what else do you have for this date in history? Other than my this day in birth, history, but... sir, in 1931. Uh, can you give me a hint? Politics, sports, industry. The cotton gin is invented. What? Oh, say can uh, the, national anthem, the national anthem becomes our national anthem. Like, the yes, becomes our national anthem. That is exactly right, sir. On this okay. day, yeah, because I, I obviously that song was written some time before that. The so. Francis Scott Key composed "Star Spangled Banner" becomes the official United States national anthem. Has been going strong ever since. I get mixed feelings about that. There are other about, songs. There are other songs that song, are better. Oh no, song, I love the song, but there are other song songs. Should it have been? Which song should it have been? That's all right. That's our contest for the week. Submit your s- songs that should be the U.S. national anthem, and we'll play the. We'll, My country tis of the. I always like that one. That's a good um, one. It is a good one. On the other hand, not this I'm, land is your land. This land is my land. No, that's land. that's, uh, that's, that's the, the communist anthem. That's, that's the communist exactly. national anthem. No. Um, uh, and I'm a big fan of Francis Scott Key, generally speaking. Um, you know who he was related to, of course. Um, no. Francis Scott Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go, F. Scott. I, I can't quite remember how, but I know they're related. So. I just thought that's cool. Okay, so this one's not so great. 1991. Um March 1991. I'll give, give you me, a hint. It's the West hint, Coast. Okay. It's the West Coast. It involved Rodney. uh witness. Yes. Rodney you, King. Yes, sir. That's exactly Rodney right. King. I remember. Yeah. I, I knew this it was, was the about. day that LAPD officers were caught on a video camera because don't think the iPhone was quite it was close but not quite there but this is where yeah. he was caught um they were caught on camera that was was the King beatings um it was not the riot it was the just the the day of the beatings yeah so, this was the actual this, this was the yeah, actual day yes, yeah, okay yes. I knew it was something I knew it was something related to that because that was yeah. the only thing to happen in 1991 as best I remember so and then of course the riot uh was a whole different ball game. So that was uh, that was the summertime, like August or September. Yeah, because I was actually in D.C. Even though I went back to school, that was the third year between third uh, between junior, senior, and college, and so I wasn't there during the be uh, uh, the riots. But I came back home to the, came back to school to them, and for months there were. Um, Dudes up on the roof at USC, snipers up on the roof at USC. It was crazy. Be too careful. So, all right. Um, where do you want to start today? Your call entirely. All right. Why don't we go with this piece that I found from the Wall Street Journal? Uh, the title of it in the uh, journal itself was. Government picking winners and losers 
poses risks. <laughs> yeah, spectacular. Thanks, guys. They have since changed the title, but uh, it's by Greg Ip. Sure. And, yeah. So the the rollout of the federal $53 billion semiconductor subsidy program dubbed CHIPS on Tuesday marks a historic embrace by the U.S. of quote-unquote industrial policy. $53 billion. Yeah. It didn't score anywhere near that. It scored at like $250 billion. What the hell is Eero looking at? Go ahead. This might be just one aspect of the bill. It might be one year. Go ahead. I didn't mean to stop you. The explicit use of government resources to foster favored sectors. There's a reason for such uh, have been rare in the U.S. government, seldom know better than markets, which technologies will succeed and often burn the effort with objectives having nothing to do with helping the targeted industries survive. Uh, history suggests that in the U.S., industrial policies have been most likely to succeed with a well-defined objective, such as putting a man on the moon or developing a COVID vaccine. It has been least successful when aimed at reversing economic decline or pursuing scattershot scattershot social and regional development objectives. So uh, the article goes... Well, no, please stop. I get get it. The article article is alerting us that water is wet and has been wet for some time. Yes. I get it. You know, my favorite part about this, the article goes on. You want to go on or you want, you want, you want the funny part about this whole thing? No, far. Did you see the article? Did you read it? No, I didn't. I was busy watching other stuff on this, this chips thing. Yeah. You, th- go ahead. No, no, you go. That's fine. Well, I was just going to say the funny thing is, is the Biden guys were, of course, loading all this, all this money up with a bunch of strings that involve, let's call it social equity. They want the companies to give free child care and free this and free that. Yeah. It's, which it's no, essentially, has nothing to do with uh, anything other than. Well, it's it's ex, it's also extra statutory, right? There's nothing in the statute that requires any of this stuff. But who the hell's going to sue? It's not like right. the chip guys are going to sue on this stuff. They're just going right. to be like, I guess They're we have to gonna, eat this. We'll eat the we'll eat the conditions. I want to I want to commend everybody, all the Republicans who voted for this. Congratulations, basically being used to advance the social agenda of your opponents. You know, we make fun of Joe Manchin being a moron. Not exactly sure the Republicans who voted for the Chips Act are any different. You couldn't predict this. You you write a blank check to these guys for two hundred fifty billion dollars, and all of a sudden it becomes used for social purposes instead of making chips. That's so, right. Yeah, and the article does bring that up, by the way. It should uh, so. In other ways, the Biden administration is pursuing broader social goals. The short six, the short sort of mission creep that undermines the success. Funding recipients must provide affordable, accessible, reliable, reliable, and high-quality childcare for both <laughs> facility and construction workers. So, they have a, they have a prevailing wage rate in there too. Uh, prevailing wage rate in there. I don't know, but yeah, it's a bunch of the, stuff. Right, this is so. What happens here is is that when you have a legis piece of legislation that. Basically, what on its own, none of these none of these things would pass. Yeah, of course, it, 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 none it, of these it, things would pass as policy, like mandating these things on companies. So you just give them a boatload of money and say you can take the money, but we got to do this other thing. You got to do these other things that the Congress it, wouldn't it, otherwise it, pass. Okay, all kidding aside, no joke, no joke it's not in a here. Joke, it's not, it's a, not joke. a joke. All kidding aside, <clears throat> if you're a Republican. 
and you hand the federal government money, you probably should be thinking about what you're doing with your life because this is a good this is the kind of thing that's going to happen it's going to happen the only thing that's different now is the biden guys are a lot more aggressive than we've seen in the past and you know what good for them i'm good they're glad i'm i'm glad they're good at something (laughs) good point uh speaking of money did you see this in the washington post this is march the bezos post march 2nd I was going to say, White House proposes, listen to this, $1.6 billion to combat historic COVID fraud. Yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah. So, so the funny so, thing is, as, as we were going along on this stuff, everyone's like, there's going to be a lot of fraud. There's going to be a lot of fraud. So they plugged in special inspector generals for each of the pieces of the legislation. So they already got special IGs for this. I I don't know why we need to spend another 1.6 billion, which is a hell of a lot of money for an inspector general. <laughs> it's it's 1.6 billion to combat more than five trillion dollars worth of fraud. We, we we have become a banana republic. We really have. Fifty bucks says the 1.6 billion is itself going to be subject to fraud. What do you want to bet? Uh, I'm not going to take that bet. That's a I'll, sucker's bet. I, I bet you. I bet you any amount you want that's going to turn out some of these inspector generals are like you know on the take or giving money to their aunts or something. What do you need? By the way, what do you need the money to investigate it for? If you already have identified, what are you going to do? You need to go. You know, it's it's government by press release, and these guys are you know they're now in an election cycle, so this is what this is what we're going to get. I propose that we spend another $1.6 trillion to claw back the, there's $81 billion of unsped COVID funds. Why don't they just rescind that? Oh, there's more than that. Of the five, of the $6 trillion gone out the door in the last three years, I, I saw an estimate that about 60% of it still hasn't been spent. All right. So, so then d- d- let's do that instead. How about this Republicans, leadership staff who are listening? Raise the debt ceiling in exchange for clawing back, just clawing back the COVID money. That's yeah. it. Yes. Just one thing. Yes. Just one thing. Yes. Let me just Two say if yes. you're lucky. Two That's a great lucky. answer. You, you, you know, it, it, ask for three things, get one and be happy. Declare victory. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I have another one here because China as secretary, as special envoy, Kerry is. Can, can we, can we? Can we finish the chips thing for one second? Yeah, yeah, please. Sorry. Because one of the things I got is a chips related yeah, thing yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the companies are all asking for categorical exclusions to the NEPA process. I don't <laughs> know if you saw that or not. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all they're all asking. So they want to they want to build the buildings faster. Yes. So that so they, is so great. <laughs> so I they want cat axes. I'm just like, I'm not sure who. I'm not sure who I dislike more in this thing, the companies or the government. It's like a 50-50 at any given moment. You're sort of like. I kind of hope the Fed stick it to them because of that. So anyway, they all have for cat axes. It's going to be very interesting whether they get them or not. All right. Well, so speaking of first vetoes, veto override, speaking of vetoes, you are aware that President Biden's first veto will be an ESG CRA. No, it may not be. Why not? 
the DC thing might beat it to it. No, uh, no, that's see that that's second part of my story. He supposedly is going to sign that. No, he's going to veto it. Are you sure? He announced yesterday he was going to he's going to he I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. He announced he was going to sign it. I'm sorry, you're correct. The veto thing ESG. Yes. Okay, Sorry. so let's start with ESG then, because you had me scared for a second. No, you know, I got. I, I would have been half of the show out the window. I got so. a little. Tang- I got a little tangled up because I was all excited about <laughs> telling the story about the the um the. I'm going to veto categorical exclusions. That's how nerdy you are. Well, I mean, the statement. I want to talk about the statement of administration policy where he, on the DC thing. Okay, let's talk about that first. Then let me read this from the editorial sure. board of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, uh, March third. House passed resolution last month, 250 to 173, with 31 Democrats joining the majority. Senate Democrats had been debating about how to uh, handle the resolution, and blocking it became harder when Joe Manchin said he'd vote for it. Yeah. Congress, uh, basically, let's do the background here. Congress is going to has the oversight authority over the district. And it hasn't overturned one of its laws in over 30 years. But the district just passed a law that said that they were going to um, basically basically I, I, allow carjackings. Well, yeah, I mean, they were going to be they were going to reduce criminal penalties associated with all kinds of things, including assault and battery and carjackings and non-appearances and every kind of damn thing, which. You know, for those of you keeping score, carjackings, auto thefts are up 113% from last year in the district. It doubled. It's, it's a problem. It's a huge freaking problem. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, not only that, but uh, there there was just a, a murder, death, kill in a library. Yeah. Just, just recently. There was a, a story someone told me today in a meeting that his buddy outside his office right downtown in the morning grabbing coffee was mugged yeah there's no um so anyway so you got there's there's a few things going on here okay. well I, I just wanted to I just want to give some context to people who don't actually live in the district um you know i've lived in large cities for a good chunk of my life and uh, in new york and philly and now dc this is as bad an environment as i can remember it it's it's not quite the Bronx in 1977, but it's edging towards that. You know, it's, it, it has the feel of Newark is what it is. There's no safe place anymore. And that not, and there's no, there's no safe time anymore. You got people getting mugged at, you know, eight in the morning. You got people getting shot at two in the afternoon. It's kind of weird. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's very so, you, so, so there's a lot going on with DC, you know, Democrats home rule is untouchable, right? The Democrats want District D.C. to be a state, first of all. But secondly, they, they don't dare support measures that would interfere in how the city's running running the government. But in this case, yeah. 31 Democrats, as I mentioned, plus Manchin crossed over. And now it appears that the president will, in fact, sign this resolution. Yes. So. OK. And that's where my that's where I pick up my, on the story, because. Uh, right before the House vote about a month ago, the administration put out what's called a statement of administration policy. And that's exactly what it is. It's a little, usually a little one, two, three page memo that says, hey, here's all the reasons we hate this legislation or like this legislation. Um, and it is an administration 
product. It's written usually by OMB, um, but with input from the Office of Legislative Affairs and the president himself. And that's an important part of the story. I want to come back to it, right? Chief of staff, et cetera, et cetera. This statement of administration policy a month ago said, if the bill doesn't change and the bill hasn't changed, we're going to veto it. Yes. Two days ago, in a meeting of Democrats in Baltimore, the president said, I'm going to sign it. If you send it to me, if the Senate sends it to me, I'm going to sign it. Okay. Um, two things about this. First off, I can never recall a statement of administration policy that has been countermanded where the legislation didn't change. Now, interesting. I'm certain, I'm certain the president freelanced it. I'm certain he just got up there in Baltimore and said, hey, man, no, <laughs> I'm going to sign this thing because we can't be in favor of crime. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm equally certain a month ago, Office of Legislative Affairs, OMB, Chief of, chief of Staff, the new Chief of Staff, no doubt, um, and the president came to an agreement about vetoing the thing. There's only two possible ways to think about this, and they're not mutually exclusive. One is the Office of Legislative Affairs and the Biden White House is hopeless. Let me just say that's true right now. I've, you know, they're, they're not good at what they do. And this thing is probably not their fault, but it doesn't help that they're not good. Um, choice number two is, is that the president is not quite aware of what that statement of administration policy actually said. In other words, he's not running the White House like a normal thing, right? <laughs> what gives you an idea? I'm, I'm trying to say that as nicely, as delicately yeah, as I can. My, fa my favorite part about it is the Atlantic, the, the Atlantic's headline for it was, why is Biden attacking democracy? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you see what the press, you see what, you see what our press secretary said? No. She said, well, you know, the, the, the mayor vetoed it. So really we're supporting the mayor's position. Oh, uh, yes. So supporting... we are supporting home rule after all, because. <laughs> yeah. Here's the problem. City council voted against the 12-1, voted to override that veto 12-1, <laughs> right? It wasn't like close. It was like a wipeout. I. But the idea that you would agree to do something and then a month later countermand it and not give anybody any warning, not tell your ledge staff, not tell OMB, not tell the other Democrats, you just get up and announce it. This is without a doubt going to be the greatest presidential campaign of our lives. I'm not, <laughs> not sure how it's going to turn out, but this guy is just going to make it up on the floor. Oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be epic and you know what if we get trump on the other side he's gonna make it up on the fly too yeah 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 it's yeah. gonna be the race we should have had in 2020 it's yeah. gonna be great sorry uh, that's a lot so um the other the other line in the atlantic piece that cracked me up is if you support self-rule for jurisdictions only so long as you do not make choices you oppose <laughs> you do not actually support self-rule <laughs> but here's the thing like dude lives here right you know even though he's got his he's got his tank and he's got all his his cars and everything surrounding him and his light carbon footprint i mean people are this is real like you said like the the feeling in town is i, I don't feel overly safe right now no it's a feeling of lawlessness and i'll tell you the truth to your point right it, president's got whatever he's got who work on that campus in the white house campus, he, you know, got 16, 15, 1600 people, right. 
a significant chunk of them, a significant chunk of them are, are um, women who need to walk at least to a metro stop. Yeah. Right? It, it, yep. And then when they get to their stop, they have to walk to their house. It's impossible for anybody to know anybody who lives in DC who's, you know, and not get the sense of, you know, we're all kind of concerned about it. It, 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 it's the randomness of it. It's the lawlessness of it. It's the fact that the DC police don't seem to care. I bet you the president kind of picked up on that. It's just, it's the fact that he didn't a month ago when this conversation came up. It's the fact that they were so sure they wrote a statement of administration policy that said, we're going to veto it. Because usually the way you say that is, hey, we would recommend a veto. To, I mean, none of that. I bet you, old, what's your name? I bet you, old Delegate Norton has got to be hopping mad, uh, man, hopping mad. So apparently, the House D's up in Baltimore were really annoyed. And you know what? My my Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger, um, I called her office after she voted. She voted no on the on the motion to override, right on the resolution override. I'm like, half of your people commute into D.C. You must know this is a dangerous place. Why would you do this? And I got, you know, I got the, I got the rule of law, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, well, you know, mark me down as a no. I bet you she's just like, why, why, yeah. why am I now on the wrong side of this thing? Um, so how does that work for the DC stuff? Is it just a majority vote? Yeah. It's a privilege motion. Senate? Yeah. Okay. You're going to have 75 guys in the Senate now, now that it, now that the president said he's going to do it, who's going to, who's, who's, who's going to vote against it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other one I was talking about is his first veto. President yeah. Biden's first veto will be confused. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good, man. It will be a um, a a bill that blocked the Labor Department rule, in essence, the ESG rule at the Department of Labor, which let um, would let retirement plans fiduciaries consider environmental social and corporate governance factors esg and quote prioritizes his mansion politics over getting the best returns for millions of americans retirement investments so the biden rule would have protected fiduciaries from lawsuits for considering esg factors that could be relevant to investment performance such as greenhouse gas emissions or workforce workforce diversity so uh house voted to over to house passed the congressional review act uh resolution senate passed it also the way this works is again another uh type of law that does not require a 60 vote threshold in the senate uh we were successful the trump administration did what 11 Rule rule overrides eleven something or twelve, like that. something like that. A bunch right at the Obama beginning. rules. Uh, yeah. So it was used one other time prior to Trump, and yeah. uh, the House, the Senate passed this, and the President is going to veto it. So this is a great first veto for us, for for the Vivek Ramaswamy's of the world, right? Like this is this is the, like the fact that this is happens to be the the first one that he has to veto uh, is a good sort of. It's good for our, it's a jolt for the anti ESG crowd, right? I think that's right. You know, I I have some reservations about the whole thing. I, investors should be able to invest in what they want to invest in. 
um, you know, something that reflects their values. That's fun. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, the, I worry, I worry that, you know, these rules are ultimately going to get used against us. I mean, when yeah, I, say, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing because I don't think we have a good strategy about what's our end game. Where do we want to wind up? I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I've, I've struggled with it a little bit because this is the only tool really that we, what other tools do we have? I guess is the question, right? Yeah. I, other than the pressure, which has been working to some extent, right? You saw, yeah, Larry Fink sort of, you know, on his heels a little bit. Uh, you well, see it, Vanguard. I was going to say Vanguard strongly saying, saying, you know, we're we actually we're rethinking all of this. This might not make a lot of sense, and maybe where you're going is is that's the answer is have the have the market, the yes, market itself make these pivots back. I I I wrote this. Did I write this? This was written um, and appeared in an editorial today in the Washington Times, I believe. Um, and I'm going to just say it because I'm, I'm not certain of it, but I, I, I'm starting to wonder. These, those three funds, right, State Street, Vanguard, and BlackRock have under um, management about $20 trillion for those of you keeping score. That's about two-thirds the size of the entire United States annual general uh, gross domestic product. Um, it, it, it's too much. Those firm, those funds should be broken up. Nobody should have, tw- nobody should have $20 trillion under management. I realize that makes me sound like Bernie Sanders. I don't care. Um, you know, my, hey, we've my, established on this podcast that you're developing an affinity for, for Bernie Sanders. I, I don't, I don't, I think the real problem here is not the ESG investing. The real problem is the politicization of it. The real problem is the fact that it's now being used as a quasi-regulatory mechanism by the federal government to drive people where they want them to be. And the real problem is that these these three firms, at least two of the three now, use their size against corporations privately, quietly, but they do. Yeah. I, I think we should break <clears throat> up the firms. I really, I think we should break up those funds. I'm sorry. And, and I know everyone on the rights can be like, free market, free market, free market. You know what? We have antitrust laws in place for a reason. I don't see why they don't apply to these guys. Well, when you combine all of this with all of this industrial policy that we discussed earlier in the podcast, yeah, it really is um, the way that they're trying to advance their agenda, which because they know it's not popular, right? Look at carbon taxes in Washington state. They can't get it done when they have to face the voters. So they're using money. It's all about leveraging cash, yeah. carrots and sticks, right? Yeah. I'm not going to give you money because I don't support your your business or I'm going to give you even I'm going to give you a lot of money because we support your your business right or we support because what you make helps helps satisfy our agenda. Yeah. So uh, it's it is the manipulation of federal money plus markets markets uh, and these banks and these houses teaming up in, in essence because they're all the same folks. Yeah. I, know you, I know I'm being a dead horse here, but look, Brian Deese is a perfect example. <laughs> Revolving door, Obama, Larry Fink, Biden, where is he going to end up, you know, after that, right? He's going to do a podcast. Maybe we'll have him on. We'll see. So, so who? Larry Fink? No, no, Brian Deese. 
Let's in a perfect on. world, I assume we'd have we'd host the first annual Brian Deese Abraham Lincoln Indian Strap match. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, okay, for the younger for the younger people, Indian Strap matches are kind of professional wrestling um, contest. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can't call them Indian Strap matches anymore. No, you, you cannot. <laughs> Indigenous peoples. Sorry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I have another one for you. We were talking about uh, last week. We talked about getting rid of honors. Yeah. Designations in schools and the yeah the crazy people in California kind of trying to get this going. Now, New York would like to match crazy. Here is um, an article from the Washington Times, our friends and co-hosts of the Unregulated Podcast. Columbia becomes the first Ivy League school to permanently nix standardized test mandate. Columbia announced it will make a permanent uh, pause, make permanent a pause in a COVID pause in standardizing testing requirements for applicants, confirming Friday that it would continue to be test optional. The New York City school becomes the first Ivy League school to drop testing requirements altogether. Other schools have extended their testing pauses, but not permanently. Columbia officials said the revised application review process will be quote unquote holistic and contextual. Yeah. Yeah. So no Um, ACTs, no SATs any longer required for Columbia applicants. Yeah. Um, You want the whole bail ahead on this one? I got, I, hey, I got, I, I, I'm here. I'm ready to hear what you're, what you're dishing out here. Um, standardized tests were an effort by reformers at the turn of the last century um, to open up higher education opportunities for people who wouldn't have gotten them, sons and daughters of Italian and Irish and Polish immigrants. Um, I know that speaks to you. I know it speaks to me, right? Um, standardized tests make the playing field level. This is not an attempt to improve diversity or increase diversity or any other stuff. This is an attempt to keep the Asians and the Indians out of Colombia. To once you change the metric, so it's not an objective metric. All of a sudden, you could take anybody you feel like. Well, that's and, the point. That, and, that it's completely, really, and it's completely defensible in a court of law. It, 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 is, it is a seizing of, of the ability to pick and choose who you would like to come versus who, who, makes, who makes the you know, university. Who deserves. Who deserves it. Who, exactly. Who so. deserves it. it you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to make an admission of personal interest here. I'm not Asian and I'm not Indian. Um, but it's wrong to discriminate against those folks. They, if they score the highest, if they have the best grades, um, if they have whatever other marginal criteria you use, they should get in. I don't understand what this problem is. It, it, I mean, I get it. Partly it's because the guys who run these operations are racists. Partially it's because the Asians don't give money to the schools afterwards. They're not, they're not particularly, um, well-giving or generous alums that's okay too um it 
it's really disconcerting. It bothers me quite a bit because I'm just like, what are we doing here? You know, if, if, if you're pulling up the ladder behind you, what do we do with these guys? You, you're going to have, you're going to have a generation of people who are going to be discontented and that's not good. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and also it makes me question what I'm saving for college for in some aspects. <laughs> that's right. I'm right. sorry. I'm back. I forgot. I'm, I'm on. I, I'm I still even, that that process is happening for me. I, you're on. You're on the other side of it. So well, I was just gonna. I, I totally forgot that. Truthfully, Tom, I totally forgot that your your kids are half Indians. I just didn't even think about it. It. it well, cares, I'm not worried right? about that part. That's not the part I'm talking about. The part I'm talking about is, I don't know that I want to send them to these. I don't want to spend oh, all yeah. the money. Sending yes. these kids to these institutions, yes, particularly for liberal arts, yes, degrees. No, you, no look, you want to send your kids to Notre Dame or Belmont? No, Abbey, no. North Carolina? <laughs> yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, oh you do. man, as a USC alumni, I don't know no, if I, I, no. I have the heart to do dude, that, dude. Friend. You can't. You can't. You I just can't. don't think I, I can cross that. Look, uh, your, your uh, kids' chances of salvation will be minimized if you send them off to some godforsaken school like UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I got two more it, it, this, energy related. So I want you to, if you, if, if you've got anything other than energy, otherwise let's wrap up the show with, with energy. I got one other thing. Got it. What? Uh, it was an announcement that nobody made any anything about, but I've been thinking about it since I since it came up last week. I, I don't know what I think about it, so I'm just going to tell you it, it happened. Eric Branstad was a, was announced as an advisor to the Trump campaign in Iowa. Are you? I see. I see nothing good coming from that. No, of course not. Not a thing. Not one blessed. Thing. That's the sun. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's just not good. And, well, and, you know, he's the, already, I mean, he already was like in like completely in with the ethanol crowd. Right. He did. Well, he was a, that was the low point of that was the low energy point of, of Trump's energy policies. True, true. Except with a close second being his last minute offshore moratorium garbage. So it, it, it you know, we're going to get into Trump's record, I'm sure, over the next year or so. Anyway, Eric Branstad, the other thing that's, you know, you, the Branstead family is all mobbed up with this, uh, with this United States, this American Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, okay. No, it's just too ironic and too funny and too ridiculous. <laughs> it's true. This, this <laughs> so governor, the former governor of Iowa, who is the ethanol king of of Iowa, right? I mean, maybe, maybe Grassley is is a close rival. Yeah. In terms of of who is the worst. Yeah. Who's the Who's the Don of the of the ethanol mob in Iowa starts an organization that he says will rival the, ch the chamber of commerce, but this one will be beaming brimming with free markets. And this is all about free markets and going back to, you know, classic Adam Smith style capitalism. I can't, I just, I can't do it. Can't I can't even. do this stuff anymore. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. It's like you're you're a joke. Like, okay, I got this. Tell you, I well, just I saw the a, announcement. I was like, yeah, I got one for you, Tom. Do a press release that that chamber, the the free enterprise 
Chamber of Commerce or whatever it's called. Thank you. I think that's what it is called. Thank issue you. a press release saying that you think we should repeal the ethanol mandate. And then we'll interview you and you can plug the hell out of it. Out of it. We'll see if it the guy, happens. The guy who runs it is a guy named Gentry Collins. A good guy. A good guy. I know him. Um, I will make that offer and see what he does with it. <laughs> All right. It has to be a press release that is sent out on and not just written and sent to me. Just it me. has to go to like a, a distribution because I know that game. Up, just, you know. just so you know, Gentry's from Iowa too. So I'm, you know, you probably shouldn't shouldn't get her hopes up. Okay, uh, what are your highly things? skeptical? So I got two more on energy, two quick ones. The first one caught my attention because it was NPR of all places that uh that had the story. China is building six times more new coal plants than other countries, report finds. And here's the summary. Six times more coal-fired plants than the rest of the world combined. Okay? Last year, it permitted the equivalent of two new coal plants per week. And China quadrupled the amount of new coal power approvals in 2022 over 2021. So where is the envoy? I thought that the I thought China was cooperating here in this war that we're we're facing, this this threat, this peril to our planet. That doesn't sound like that to me. I don't know. I could be Shut wrong. up, Tom. Slavery and genocide is not my lane. So <laughs> I'm sorry, didn't he say that? Did well, we were all like fretting about the, you know, this and that and the other. China was building six times more coal fired power plants than the rest of the world combined. Yeah, it, it, um, uh, the International Energy Agency also pointed, also said something this week, also put out a report this week that showed, uh, 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 carbon dioxide emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions were up by 1% last year, uh, 2022. I'm like, it, it, I, whatever you guys, we knew that, so. I was going to say, you, you guys keep doing what you're doing and, and we'll keep giving you money and it'll keep not happening. So that's cool. The funny part, the, the couple of funny parts about the NPR story though, of course, is because they can't help themselves. <clears throat> The report authors found that growth of new coal plant permitting appears to be a response to ongoing drought and last summer's historic heat wave, which scientists say was made more likely because of climate change. All right, I'll take that. But I'm willing to bet that the building of coal plants was more in a response to, hey, we need some electricity. Let's build some power plants. <laughs> you probably, you think? I, I don't think it was a response to a drought. I think it was a response to the need for electricity. <laughs> Call me crazy. Oh, we're having a drought. We need more coal. And then the other one was, what, here's the subheading. Why is China building new coal plants while also increasing renewables? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. looking forward. Eventually, I'm going to write this, that the system, if you really believe in an energy transition system, you need to build pipelines. For natural gas, because you need to double deck your system. Essentially, you need to you need to build yeah. two electricity systems back to back. One for when the intermittent resources are working, and one for when they're not working. That's what Germany did. That's why Germany's like three times what they what we pay in America because they got they got twice the system. They don't need that much. We're gonna have to build the same thing. I'm looking forward to it. 
I assume that's what China's looking at, right? They're like, okay, we'll build everything and just see what happens. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, you know, as far as you can go with a country that should be shunned by all decent people. <laughs> go ahead. What's your second thing? Uh, I have one more on energy. You ready? Sure. President Joe Biden's nomination of Laura Daniel Davis to hold a key post charting energy policy on public lands was thrown into further doubt Friday as a key Democratic senator signaled he would withhold his support. Can you guess who? Senator Joe Manson, the West Virginia moderate who heads the Energy and Natural Resource Committee, said he would not back anyone who agrees with the misguided reasoning of a mistakenly released Interior Department memo recommending against selling drilling rights in Alaska's Cook Inlet. This is uh, breaking from Jen DeLuhi at uh, at Bloomberg. Yes. So do you want to hear what the um, the memo said? I do. All right. If a Cook Inlet prospect would be developed... There would be additional government revenues of greater energy security for the state of Alaska, especially if development of natural gas resources in the Cook Inlet ameliorated the long-term supply challenges facing the Anchorage area. Nevertheless, because of the serious challenges facing, facing the nation from climate change and the impact of GHGs from fossil fuels, BOEM is not recommending this option. Yeah, what a shocker. What a shocker. I think we may have some 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 guest star on um, next week who may have some perspective on this as well. Oh, yes, yes. We, we might, actually. We have a special interview coming up on the next Unregulated podcast, which will get into this issue and many, many more about the great state of Alaska. But dude, they just basically, they don't care about people. They don't care about certain people. Yeah. They don't care about certain people. They care about other people, but they don't care about certain people. And that's, you know, how, let me ask you a question. How is that different? How is that different quantitatively, qualitatively from Columbia? that doesn't care about the kids who are smarter than the other kids. They're going to take who they want to take and you can all go to hell. I mean, how yeah. it, it, you know what else it, it did. It further rubbed it in Manchin's face because sure. this was one of the things that he had actually put into the inflation reduction act. So he could tell people like me, Oh, look, I'm, I'm balancing renewables with with natural with with natural gas and 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 those other resources see see how great i am i'm mandating this cook sale legislating this cook cook inlet sale as so, a, as a very good friend of mine said recently as a very good friend of mine and a wise man said recently senator manchin probably should have read his own legislation <laughs> <laughs> all right so more on this and much much more in the next unregulated podcast where mike has a special guest that we're that we inter that we'll be interviewing all right i'm going to close out if you have unless you have anything else i don't have anything else i don't think let's let's assume i don't all right let's wrap it up with some um some more reminiscing 
from our okay. beloved President Biden. Okay. And I have a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She came in and do things that I don't think you'll learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I couldn't understand her. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I that there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't do the one where I had the one comfortable. But I'm not joking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm either going to veto or sign that DC thing. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm not, that nurse I'm not, did things that they didn't learn in nursing school. I'm not joking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just too much all right everyone well enjoy we'll be back next week sorry we're so late uh alex our producer clean this thing up and get this out the door for our beloved fans um come listen to, come listen next week we got can we say who it is do we say let's, who it was let's just leak it out yeah why not yeah why not uh everybody tune in next week we got governor dunleavy mike dunleavy from alaska and it's a fun interview you'll like it um Anyway. All right, take care, everybody. Namaste. Episode number 122 in the books. Bye.